Um, yeah, wow, you guys are really here. This is awesome. Um, I'd just like to say you, more of you are here than Salem. You're doing much better. Well done, guys. <laughs> New Year's did not hit you that hard, I guess. Um, I know for me it did, but here I am anyway. Um, just kidding, we're doing good. So when I was growing up, I moved around a lot. I didn't get the opportunity to stay in one community in one place, um, grow up with buddies all through kindergarten to college. Like, I moved around a lot. It was all within the PNW. Lots of stints in Washington, different places in Oregon. Lived in McMinnville for a while. Um, I'm also from Canada, so I've lived in Canada a little bit here and there. And brief stint in Utah. Uh, I'm not here to give you my entire itinerary of where I've lived, but moving was hard. It wasn't easy. Um, and there are a lot of times where I wish that I had like stayed in one spot. I had one community that I grew up with. But it wasn't like all bad. Like there were benefits. As I started to get older, I started to realize every move was actually an opportunity. Every move was an opportunity to retool some things, reinvent myself a little bit. I could look back at some of like the annoying, cringy things that I did back at my old school and be like, let's never do that again. That was terrible. Um, and now that we go to this new school, I can leave that out, try and come up with some cool new, I don't know, catchphrases? I don't know. Clearly it didn't work. I didn't make it into the cool crap, but um, I tried my best, right? That's all that mattered back then was being popular, being cool, um, and every move was this opportunity to make myself new, to reinvent myself. And I think for, for some of you, moving might sound horrible, like you were born in Silverton, raised in Silverton, you're going to die in Silverton. You're not leaving, right? Moving's not on the agenda. But we all can agree that change feels nice. It's nice to get that jump start, right? You get a new job, maybe you get a new car, maybe you're, you know, uh, you get a new haircut. I got a haircut yesterday. I feel like a brand new man. I had this hair and I couldn't see a thing and so now I can actually see you guys. Well, kind of. These are pretty bright, but like, you know, we're getting close. Um, we all love change. That's why we celebrate New Year's. Every year it's a chance to look at the old, look what we had been doing, how we had been living, and say, that wasn't quite it yet. That wasn't ideal. This year let's try and be better. Let's make some changes. Maybe it's going to the gym every day uh, or cutting sugar out of your diet. Maybe there's a habit you're trying to kick. Maybe you're just trying not to cuss in front of your kids this year. Um, there's all, all these opportunities every year to look back and say, the, the way I am right now is not ideal. And I need to change that. And I actually would argue that this belief is at the core of every religion, every philosophy, every human thought and idea. This fundamental belief that the current way we are is not ideal. It's not the ideal state of being. There needs to be change. Even Christianity believes this. Christianity believes that the current state of humanity is not the ideal state of humanity. Our passage is an example of this, 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And for something old to pass away and to be replaced by something new, that means it wasn't ideal, right? Even this idea is in this text. Something old is not ideal. It needs to be replaced by something new. Um, <clears throat> we all have different answers as to how we get there though. That's where we splinter off into different factions and religions and ideas, is we're, we're not ideal, what do we do to change that? And the common answer that most of the world gives us is working hard, being better, trying to make little changes day by day. And there's this movie that just came out over Christmas that I think encapsulates this perfectly. 
It's called Spirited. It's on Apple TV. Um, my wife suggested it. She's really into musicals, and it's a musical with Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. Um, I didn't know they could sing. Probably were some auto-tune involved, but they were pretty good, not gonna lie. And they're hilarious, too. Like, those, those two together, like, they're hilarious on their own. Having them come together was, it was awesome. Um, but it's this Christmas Carol spinoff. Ryan Reynolds is, like, the Scrooge character. He's this mean, bad, business, corporate man, right? Um, hates puppies and children. And Will Ferrell is like the ghost of Christmas present. And the whole point of the movie is he's trying to redeem Ryan Reynolds, like trying to make him a new person. And surprise, surprise, the movie ends on a happy note. Ryan Reynolds is redeemed. He's made new. Um, he's this nice person all of a sudden. And they end the movie with one final song and dance um, that really sums up the entire movie. The lyrics in this song really sum up the whole message it's pushing. Um, and I have the lyrics right here, actually. I heard... Some of you seem panicked. I'm not going to sing. Sorry. I don't know if that was made clear. I'm not singing them. I'm reading them. Um, For the sake of your ears and my dignity, we're just going to read them. Um, Here here are the lyrics right here. It says, it only takes a little good and doing what you can, taking every chance to make the choice to be a better man. Read it one more time. It only takes a little good and doing what you can, taking every chance to make the choice to be a better man. This is the uh, answer that Spirited gives to how we can be redeemed, how we can be new people. Um, And I think that's the message that the world in general pushes. It's sometimes the message we give to each other, that it just takes a little bit of good, being a little bit nice, and the world's just gonna be better. But that's not reality. That's not how the world works. Like, I've lived a little bit, and that's not my experience. I have have proof of this in my own life. There's an example I could give. Uh, When I was in high school, Uh, My youth group went on this trip to San Francisco. We were serving homeless people in the ghetto for a week. And it was an awesome experience. There's this one morning where our assignment was to walk around the streets with bouquets and hand them to just women. Any woman we saw on the street, we'd hand them a bouquet of flowers, maybe try and talk to them about Jesus. And I get paired with this super sweet girl, super shy. Like, we didn't talk, but we went to the same school, same youth group, but she was, like, super shy. So, like not really a big talker, which is more of a detriment to her because I probably just talked her ear off the whole time. Um, She's probably great, okay, awesome. Um, So we're walking, I'm probably like talking way too much and we're chatting, Um, and there's this little old lady, right, sweet little old lady hobbling down the street, and we decide, oh, that's low-hanging fruit. Like, it's awkward going up to somebody and trying to like hand them flowers and spark a conversation. So this seems simple enough, right? She's probably gonna be nice. I have never been a worse judge of character in my life. Never. Oh my gosh. So we walk up to this lady and hand her the flowers, try and spark up some conversation, and like immediately it's this barrage of cuss words and derogatory remarks from this sweet little old lady. She's like nailing into us, right? Like it's crazy. All this like garbage that's getting spewed out. And this poor girl next to me, she's terrified of conflict. She could barely even talk to me. She starts bawling, like alligator tears, rolling down her face. And you'd think like the lady would let up, right? Like, oh shoot, sorry. Oh my gosh. It was like a lion spotting a wounded gazelle. It was like, like, oh, easy prey. And she just like laid into her even more. Like she just turns to her and starts screaming at her. Like she was saying horrible things. I can't repeat them in a church. Um, just things I had never heard before. And I went to public school, okay? I thought I had heard it all. Um, <laughs> I felt pretty experienced at that point. Oh my gosh, still things I've never heard repeated to this day. 
just goes in on us. And I'm like, I'm trying to act like it doesn't phase me because I'm like 16, you know, basically a man at this point. And so I'm like, ma'am, we have to go. I turn around and we go back the way we came. Inside, I'm also probably about to cry. Um, and she just keeps yelling at us as we walk, walk back with the way we came. Just did not let up. That's what I'm talking about. That's a moment where, like, I tried to do some good. I tried to be nice, to love my neighbor, and it just blew up in my face, right? And we all have experiences like this, where you try and do something nice for somebody, um, do them a favor, give them a compliment, and they get offended. Or you're at work, and there's a project that's coming up, and you decide to take it on to help out your coworkers, and it just creates more problems in the workplace. Or you have this habit and you've been enslaved to it, you're trying to kick it, this time's, this year's the year I'm gonna kick it, you get a week in and then you're right back to where you started. This is the human condition, it's this shared experience that we all have. We try and do a little bit of good, but it just doesn't always work that way. Even if we do our best, bad things still happen, it's unavoidable. And I think, I think the main problem is, movies like Spirited and the rest of the, the, rest of the world we see God as separate from our change. Either we don't believe in God, we deny his existence, um, or even as Christians, we might think, uh, oh shoot, I've been sinning a lot lately, I gotta clean up my act, and then I'll come to you, God. Then we'll have this relationship. Um, or uh, even as simple as like, okay God, like, I see where I need to change, like, thank you for showing me this, I read the word, there's some really good stuff in there, I'll be right back, I'm gonna go change, you wait right there, I'm gonna go change and I'll be right back, okay? and we come right back like, it didn't work, what happened? Um, that's reality, that's how it works. And we say that God has nothing to do with our change, but the Bible says God has everything to do with our change. It's in our passage, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Christ is the catalyst, he's the jump start to actual change. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If anyone is in Christ too, this offers for everybody, regardless of your race, your gender, your age, your finances, how much religious experience you have, um, what your job is, like, it's for anybody in Christ. But in Christ is the clause. That's the important point right there. It's for anyone in Christ because we cannot be changed in without Christ, without God. When someone comes to Jesus, they put their trust in him, they decide, I believe that you lived for me, that you died for me, that you rose again, and because of that, I'm gonna follow you. When that happens, in that moment, there is something called regeneration that happens. You're regenerated, that's the theological terms. It's, you're made new, you're made into something completely different in that moment. It's not like this opportunity for a fresh start. It is that, but it's more than that. It's not just like turning over a new leaf and trying better the next time. It's complete renewal. You are made completely new. You're regenerated. The old has passed away. The new has come. It's like, um, it's like a burnt down house. It's a horrible thing to lose a house. We've had fires almost yearly now at this point. Um, in Lincoln City, where I'm from, there's been a, a lot of wildfires out there. I know people personally who have lost their home. Um, and once they got to safety and they were, um, you know, able to come back home, once the fire has stopped, and they come back to their, what is left of their house, their first instinct is, we need a new house. The old one is gone. We need to make something new. We need to replace it. And you 
might hire a contractor. Maybe you do it yourself. That's great. Some people hire a contractor. And it would be, uh, it'd be ridiculous if a contractor showed up, they come to your property, they survey the remains, some burnt beams, some ash, and they go, you know what? It's not that bad. Like, if we just, like, think really hard, like, we got enough to work with right here. I see some beams, right? The foundation's still there. If we think, if we put our heads together, if we act really nice to each other, like, we can make a house out of this. We have all we need right here. That's ridiculous. You'd get a new contractor, and if they're any good, they'd actually make you a new house. They'd regenerate a home for you. The home was, the old home is gone. It needs to be completely replaced. And that is all of us without Christ. Ephesians 2, 1 says, before Christ, we are dead in our transgressions and our sins. Without Christ, we are spiritually flatlined. There's no good we can do in this world. We're a burnt down house. Yes, we can make outside changes, right? Um, You can be kind, you can be friendly, you can be really driven at work, Um, you can be known as a really hard worker, but on the inside, you're bitter, you're angry, you're closed off, you're burnt out. Um, We're just dressing up the exterior, we're making ourselves look really pretty on the outside while we're lying in a casket. Like, yeah, we look pretty, but we're dead. What does that do for us? Nothing. If anyone is in Christ, though, they're regenerated. I know I just like was super uplifting just right, you know, like welcome to church. Thank you for being here. Happy New Year. Um, but the good news is in this passage. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Change has already happened. Regeneration has already taken place if you're in Christ. God has already sent his son Jesus to the cross to be executed on our behalf, giving us the opportunity to live into the new life that God has called us to live, to have a relationship with him, to actually be changed from the inside out. And I've experienced this personally. This isn't just a pie in the sky idea. Like theoretically, we're all new people now, right? Like some hocus pocus hippie stuff. Like theoretically, we're all new in Christ. Or like hypothetically, we're like new people, like on the inside, right? Even though you're still the same jerk you were the day before. Um, This is legitimate, this is a legitimate practical experience. In my own life, it happened at a summer camp. Um, My parents raised me Christian, grew up in the church, read the Bible, right, prayed a lot. Um, They taught me to love Jesus. And then as I got older, through no fault of their own, I distanced myself. Um, Because of my sin, because of the destruction I brought into the world, I was distanced from God and I didn't really want anything to do with him. By the time I was in high school, I didn't touch the Bible in years. The Bible specifically was like boring. Like I hated the Bible, right? Like I couldn't touch that thing. It had this, it was on my nightstand, right? Like any good Christian does. They have their Bible on their nightstand. Um, But it had this huge layer of dust on top. You could probably like peel it off. Um, I did not touch it. It was boring. There was like names of places and people I could never pronounce. It sounds like you're sneezing every time you read them. And there's just all these passages that are confusing. They don't make sense. And like we all act like we understand them, even though inside like I'm like really confused. Like what? Um, Okay. That was me. Um, Known as a church kid, but really wasn't living the life of one. Titus 1.16 says, um, they claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. That was me. I claim to know God, but that was about it. And... I go, to this, I go to this camp, for some reason, after high school, I decide, you know what I want to do with my last summer in high school? I want to work at a Christian camp. But I did. That's what I did. Um, 
and so I drive up to this camp in Washington, and I have this experience where I meet Jesus, I decide I'm gonna put my trust in you fully. It goes from knowledge up here to knowledge in here, and I decide the way I've been doing things has been leading me to destruction, sin, and death. I need a new way of living. I need to be completely made new. And this wasn't vocabulary I had at the time, but that's kind of what was going on. And a a few weeks later, um, it didn't just stay in that moment. I, I usually wake up before campers wake up. I'd go on a run, right? I had to stay in shape. There's a lot of girl counselors at that camp. I was 18, right? Come on. Don't judge me. Come on. Come on, right? I had to stay fit. But that morning, I, I looked at my Bible. I brought my Bible, right? Like, I, sh- I felt like I had to bring it to a Christian camp because I'm, like, teaching them on it. It'd be weird if they're like, where's your Bible? Oh, we need those? Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, so I brought my Bible. I pull it out of my bag. I'm flipping through. And I just find a book of the Bible I've never touched before. Like, it, it was called Ecclesiastes, really big, long word. And, like, the words just flew off the pages. It was like I was seeing this thing completely differently, which is funny because if you've read Ecclesiastes, it's like everything's meaningless. We all should be dead. Enjoy your happiness while you can. Like, it's really depressing stuff. And for some reason, I was like, that's awesome. I love it. Um, I was just obsessed with it. And it, I, just, I was like, this is great. I got to keep reading this thing. So throughout the rest of the summer, I decided I'm going to get up early, and I'm going to read this thing every morning before campers wake up. And then it led into when I went home. I decided before my family gets up, I'm going to get up and read the Bible. Um, And it's led into this habit where every morning I choose to wake up, pray, and read God's word and spend time with God trying to get to know him. And that's not to say, like, look at me, guys. I'm a really good Christian. Be more like me. That was nothing, like, I had nothing to do with that change. I hated the Bible. Something happened where when I put my trust in Jesus, I was changed. Something I hated and wanted nothing to do with was now something that I, like, I can't live without. I go a day without reading my Bible and I feel funky. Like, that was weird. That was a really weird day. I was kind of a jerk. Why was that? Um, right, I didn't read the Bible. Um, I, it's not to say that I did all this work. I decided to finally put in the effort to read the Bible and make it make sense. It was God opened my eyes. That's the simplest way to put it. God opened my eyes, and I saw it differently than I ever had my entire life. That's regeneration. But regeneration is a process. Philippians 2.12, it says that if, sorry, I should have my notes ready. Philippians 2.12 says, if you, you need to continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's an ongoing process. Paul isn't saying work towards your salvation. He's saying work out your salvation. Work out the salvation you've already been given. We've been given the gift of regeneration, the gift of a new life, but now we're called to live that life. We're challenged to live the life of regeneration. It's not a, one, it's not a one-time thing. It doesn't just stop there. It continues for the rest of, for the rest of your life, really. And, and in a way, Spirited, then, is kind of right, the movie that I was talking about. Like, it does, it requires a step-by-step day-by-day experience, but without Christ, if you're not in Christ, all your change is just gonna lead you back to a burned-down house. It's a day-by-day process. See, the world tells us that we need to do good to be saved, but the Bible tells us we need to be saved to do good. We cannot do good without first knowing and being saved by Jesus. It's like a a kid on training wheels. They're learning to ride their bike, they have training wheels on their bike, and the parent finally takes them off. 
Like that was, I remember for me, that was like, that was a big day. I felt like a brand new person, right? And like this old bike that I had been riding, like it was just as simple as taking the training wheels off, but it was a completely new experience. Like I had basically had to relearn how to ride my bike all over again. Um, and a good parent doesn't just like take the training wheels off and say, you did it, nice job, you're, 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 you've gotten rid of the training wheels, and then let's leave it in the garage and never touch it again, right? That's not the way it works. A parent puts the kid on the bike, walks behind them, teaches them how to balance, how to steer, um, how to not fall on their butt every time they get on that thing. And slowly but surely, it gets to a point where the kid is getting better at it, and they're starting to ride on their own. And, um, then it's an ongoing process of the parent then gets to go on their bike, ride with their kid, and say, like, you know, don't go here. Here's how you get home. Teach them how to get through the neighborhood. It's this ongoing process. It doesn't stop at getting the training wheels off. There's this whole new way of experiencing your bike that you have to get used to. Um, where the analogy falls apart is bike riding, um, ultimately the goal is, like, the parent can like let their kid go off so they can sit at home like, thank goodness, man, that was exhausting. Um, the point is like the kid, you know your kid's gonna be fine, they're gonna be riding their bike, they know where to go, where not to go, and they're not gonna fall and hurt their head. Um, that's, it's self-sufficiency. That's the goal of getting your training wheels off. Living with Jesus, having a relationship with God, it doesn't stop there. Any change needs to be in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. But the minute you step out of that, change is change is elusive it's hard to come by and taking your training wheels off is not an easy thing learning how to ride your bike is not easy at first it feels really unnatural and likewise regeneration is not a one-time thing it's not a one-stop shop it is an ongoing lifelong process and I remember when I got my training wheels off I like fell a lot I got a lot of scrapes and bruises Uh, my parents had to deal with a lot of crying for me and I'd look at that bike, and it'd just be a reminder of all my failures at six years old. And like, you are the reason I'm not where I want to be yet. It sucks sometimes. It's painful. And just, just like riding a bike, regeneration, living this new life that God has given us, it's not something that just happens once, and then we're like, that was awesome. Never have to think about that again. It's this ongoing process as long as we're in Jesus. And I wish it wasn't. Like, I really do. I wish that... In 2018, God just like zapped me and said, you are now perfect. You will never make mistakes again. I know my wife does, at least. Um, You will be perfect, and you will never make mistakes again. Like, if he did that to all of us, man, the world would be way easier to live in, right? Um, But that's not the way it works. And I think it's because God loves the process. God loves taking us on a journey. He doesn't want to just, like, shake our hand, meet us, and leave. He wants to continually know us more and more and more. I, I see this happen a lot in youth ministry. Tim mentioned I, I, uh, I lead for Outward Students. My wife and I are the directors for the youth ministry program. And I love working with teens because um, they understand what this process is like, I think more than most. Um, parents, you might not believe me when I say this, but your teens are trying to be better people. They wanna be better people, I promise. You'll never know this, but they are. And maybe you even see glimpses of it. Um, they're fully succumb- they have to fully succumb to this process where they were, they, they, they're basically kids still, right? I can say this because I was like a teenager like yesterday. It's fine. Um, I, know, I know what it's like. And you're, you're in this process where you're, you're still a kid and you're coming out of that life of childhood and you're being pushed into adulthood. 
in some ways, whether they like it or not, like there's physical changes that happen that turn them into an adult, whether they want it to happen or not. They are forced to live this new life that they didn't really have a say in. And it creates some humility. Again, parents, you won't know this, but teens actually have a lot of humility, right? Like, you'll never get the satisfaction of knowing this. Um, And it might be frustrating, but teens actually have a lot of humility because they understand that becoming who they're supposed to be is a process. Like, some days they might show up and they're like, I have it figured out, leave me alone. I'm basically a grown adult. I don't need you anymore. And then immediately, like, oh, shoot, sorry, I actually have no idea what I'm doing. That's a very, that's, I mean, you can ask my mom, my poor mother. Um, it's this ongoing process, and they understand who I'm supposed to be is very far off. It's very hard to attain, and it's going to be a process of learning how to be better, of trying to just live into the life I'm being called into. And again, this is tough. I wish it wasn't. Like, I, I really wish that when I was made new, when I met Jesus, that it was just this instantaneous change. But that's not reality. But the message, again, it shouldn't be when we look at our failures as Christians to say, I need to do more, I need to try harder, like I need to live into the life that God's called me to. It's, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. It's already happened. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. It's not about trying really hard to like be a good Christian, be a good husband, be a good son, be a good daughter, be a good coworker. It's living day by day, abiding in Christ. John 15, it it gives this analogy where Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. Um, If you remain, if Jesus says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. And every time we step out with this attitude of, I need to do more, I need to be better, that's actually what's holding us back. We need to step in and follow Jesus. And that's, that's what I love about following Jesus. It's that every time we fall off the bike, every time we make a mistake, um, because mistakes are inevitable, we get to run back to Jesus. As regenerated people, as people made new, as Christians, we're going to bring hurt into this world. We're going to sin. We're going to struggle. We're going to bring destruction into this world still. It's inevitable. But we get to run back to Jesus just like a teen runs back to their parent and say like, I messed up, I really need your help, I tried to do it on my own again, can you teach me? And Jesus happily, every time, is like, yes, 100%, 100%. And I love this message because I need this reminder too. Um, I know I acted like I was like this perfect Bible reader, right, and like I wake up every morning all like pious and holy, and I like go into my living room and I glow with holy light as I read the Bible. It's actually not reality, sorry to break it to you. Um, It's a lot messier than that. There are moments where I wake up and I'm just like, I don't wanna do this, I'm gonna go back to bed. Sometimes I don't wake up at all and like all of a sudden I feel this elbow on my back because my alarm's going off and my wife is like, turn it off, turn it off. Um, I'm like, oh, sorry. Um, Sometimes I sit down, I have the Bible open, I'm like, dude, no, I'm not doing this today. This is ridiculous. I'll read something, it doesn't make sense. Um, I'll like, oh shoot, I gotta answer an email, or like, I don't know, let's scroll through my phone, and then an hour goes by, and I'm like, what the heck happened? Like, this is a day-by-day process that all of us are going through. And I come back to passages like 2 Corinthians 5.17, and I'm reminded that I'm already made new. I'll read it again. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And I need this reminder that none of us are there yet, and none of us really will never be there yet until Christ returns. It is this day-by-day process of being more Christ-like. And every day, I'm reminded that we already are made new. The work has already been done. If we're in Christ, our old selves have passed away. Jesus is here in us, and we are being made new. It's already happened, and it's still happening. So if there's anything to take away, it's that you don't have to work harder. It's not about being a little bit better. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, that's okay. New Year's resolutions aren't wrong, right? It's not bad to try and create healthy habits. Do it in Christ. Live a life abiding in Christ. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you for, um, thank you for this day. Um, thank you for this new year, for bringing us all here um, to 2023. And thank you for the new life that you offer to all of us. This offer is here for everybody and anybody who wants it. In Christ, we are made into a new creation. I thank you for dying on the cross so we can have that opportunity to, make, to be who you intend us to be. And God, I ask that you would strengthen us um, that you would comfort us in those moments where we don't live into that. And in those moments where we decide to go our own way, to do our own thing. And I ask that you would remind us that in you, that's where true change comes from. If we're in Christ, then we are a new creation. But on our own, we can't do anything. We can't do any good. We're spiritually flatlined. Um, would you comfort us, embolden us, give us strength, and just remind us that you are change. You are who we, we strive to be. Take that burden off of us, Lord. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. In your name I pray. Amen.